Vision Sunday. What is it? What does it mean? What do we do about it? Does it tell us anything about who we are? The answer to all those questions is yes. I'm going to read to you a passage out of Luke 14, which I believe God's put on my heart for us today. This is a familiar passage in Luke 14. It starts at verse 12, and I want you to hear this in the context of what it was. He is talking about, as he's looking at the different people in the temple, showing how important they are by the way they dress, by where they're sitting, and how things are uh, done for them. They always want the high places, their prayers are showy, and these are the folks who are the church leaders who are doing this. And so, he begins to talk about what kind of person is going to be there at the end of times with Jesus Christ. He begins to talk about those who uh, are exalting themselves are going to be humbled by God. He is directly talking to them. And then he says this in verse uh, 12. He says, Then he said to those who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now this first passage, the first part of this passage, talks about inviting people in and welcoming them who have no way of giving back to you or who you do not expect something back from. So invite people who will come and be a part of something that they normally would not be invited to because it would require a cost or an expected, um, shall we say, connection to be a part of it. In other words, a who you know type thing. But these people that he's talking about, he says, when you throw a dinner... When you really want to make a difference for the kingdom of God, do it for people who other people wouldn't expect to invite. Now, why do I believe that that's part of it? It's because we throw a dinner every Wednesday. We are doing that. We are throwing a dinner every Wednesday for people who do not expect it or demand it or, or repay it back or nor are they expected to. We do that. This is what God says is a thing to do. And we're doing that. But He also says that there will be a time when God rewards that at the resurrection of the just. What that means is you may not see that reward in this lifetime, but you will at the coming of Christ. So there are some things that we do, whether or not God shows us that it was worth doing, that come to fruition in this life that we don't know that God even notices. We don't even know if we're doing it for His purposes or if He has sent it, but we keep doing it faithfully and God has said, I will bless you because of that and you'll be repaid in the resurrection of the just. 
Now, a lot of folks want to hear that statement and say, why in the world would any church want to do that? Because it's the call of the Gospel. The Gospel is presented without charge. For free. And if we ever charge for it, God have mercy on our souls. And so, that to me is the foundation of ministry. Is that you're not doing it to get something in return. However, we have found some return from it. We found some friends who we now call members and family. And also we call um, brothers and sisters in Christ. So that, that reward to me is one of the greatest. And um, while he's eating at this uh, place, somebody sits at the table to Jesus and says, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus says, What I believe is our vision for our church for the upcoming year. And while, oh, By the way, you know it is the beginning of my fifth year with you all today, right? I did not... I did not call for any anniversaries, or, or if I did, I didn't mention that when I put it in the bulletin. I figured, I said it last week, you probably read it this week too. Um, I don't like to draw a lot of attention to stuff like that, but some folks like to know these things, right? So, history, time moves on, homecomings, anniversaries, these things. And today is the first Sunday of the fifth year we are together. So awesome. Now, if you open up a conference journal to say, I've been here in my fifth year already, but five conference years, I've been a part of those. So that's a little different. But actual time frame, today is day one, year five. Now he goes on in this passage, just two verses later, starting at verse 16. I've got them for you on the screen. He says, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at a supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Now before we go to the next verse, I want to explain to you how this works. Back then, they didn't just have a great supper and then go out and send for them. This supper was announced months, possibly even a year in advance. Like a wedding feast for their children, they don't just have a wedding feast like on short notice. Sometimes it's a year or more in preparation. One of these Sundays I may share with you how that process works and what it means for the different trumpets for those uh, weddings that they have. It would be interesting to hear about that, I'm sure, that um, we may get a chance to do that in the future. But I want to share with you that they knew about this a long time to get ready. Okay? They knew about it. We're saying save the date next year. And they all say, we'll come. They've all accepted the invitation. Now we go to the next verse. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Now, now farmers, you don't buy land that you're going to live off without having seen it first. Do you understand? These are preposterous, unheard of excuses, okay? These are not real excuses. They're just for the emphasis of the story. The next one. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. 
And I'm going to go test them. I also ask to have me excused. You don't buy a car without test driving. You certainly aren't going to plow your field with your livelihood with oxen you haven't tested. So he's already bought them without testing them. The other guy bought ground without having seen it. I have a bridge in Brooklyn if you're of that kind of mindset that I can sell you. I have a fake title that you'll certainly want to hang on your wall and tell people how much you own. However, if not, maybe you're like the next guy. Another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> now you all say, wait a minute, that's a good reason. No, it is not. Because... The wife in that time did not control the relationship the husband did. He's saying, my wife would not let me come. And at that time, women were seen as lesser beings, almost like property, much like the veiled Middle Easterns do now. And he says, I've married her so I can't come. She won't let me. That's a preposterous excuse also. But... That's what they said in the next verse. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house being angry, I can see why, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Now, when he said, go get the poor, the maimed, and the blind, those people were considered sinners. That they were poor because they didn't honor God, that they were blind because of some sin in their life, or their parents, or they were maimed because of some sin. So these were people that nobody invited to a great feast for their family because they couldn't bring gifts. They couldn't come in fancy regalia for the party. All they could come was as themselves. And so he went. And he got all of the poor. All of the maimed. And all of the blind that he could find. Because the dinner's ready and it's time to eat. And when he got back, he says to the Master, I've done it and there's still room. Who else can we get? And the master says this, and this is our call. The servant said to the servant, Master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who are invited shall taste my supper. All those who refuse lose their seat. And yet he's saying to go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. And listen to this. And I heard this from someone who used to live in the Middle East, so don't take it on my guesswork. This is truly what happens. That he sent them to the people who don't believe that they're really welcome there. That's like going out under the bridges in a city and telling homeless people, let's go to the White House. They're going to go, yeah, right. Or if you get a phone call from the president or somebody famous and you go, yeah, okay, Bob, and hang up, you know? Because you know it's not that person. Right? These are the people who don't come because they don't believe they're welcome no matter how many times you tell them. 
And the word compel says, urge, beg, plead, say that it's really, really true. You belong here. That's where I believe our call is, to tell the people around us, you really belong here. And the people who have found home here found out that other places, they didn't feel like they belonged. That other places didn't know how to welcome them.